You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is David Martin, and I'm the floating pastor on staff. I I just kind of do whatever, um, because I'm old. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's good to be here. Last time I was scheduled to preach, I decided to take a five-day, all-expense-paid visit to Forbes Hospital, so I'm glad to not be there this morning. Um, If anybody knows me today, you know I love... Thank you, thank you. You know I love coffee, and uh, you know I've, I've, I've tried to cut back, so I'm down to a cup a day. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I am really cutting back. Uh, you know, I don't really just drink coffee for the simple enjoyment of it, but I like to try out different coffee shops and different uh, roasts and different styles of making it from French press to espresso to, uh, you know, just a variety of different types. I'm not really interested in roasting the beans myself, but I love the process and the different flavors that you can get. I'm, I guess you could say I'm a little bit of a coffee snob. Um, so if I come over your house, please don't serve me Sanka. Because <clears throat> that's not coffee, that's dirt. <laughs> So I, yeah, I am a little bit of a coffee snob. And, and several years ago when I was pastoring, I used to make a pot of coffee in our bun coffee maker at the church. And by lunchtime, uh, that was gone. I used to drink an enormous amount of coffee and then wondered why I couldn't sleep at night. Um, you know, you can't drink a pot of coffee every day and have any level of good sleep because your body is so jacked up on the caffeine. And uh, I didn't drink it for that sake, but boy, did it work. And then one day I had this great idea. You're going to love this. Don't try it at home. This is for trained professionals like myself. I uh, went to Giant Eagle and I said, oh, look, they've got chocolate-covered coffee beans. I said, that looks great, and so I bought it. It was a bag that would fit in the palm of my hand, and so I went back to the church, and I'm popping them in, and before I knew it, I'd eaten the whole bag. (laughs) Three o'clock that morning, I'm sitting there like this, like, why can't I sleep? Why can't I sleep? And then it dawned on me, don't eat a bag of espresso beans. It's not good. The point is, coffee's great, but too much is an unhealthy thing, and uh, You can't just continue to do unhealthy things and have healthy relationships. So to land this series uh, this month about talking about relationships and relational health, we want to talk about how to have a healthy relationship, whether it is in marriage, whether it's friendship, whether it's parent-child, whether it's uh, employee relationship, any kinds of those things. There's certain elements that need to be a part of those uh, relationships. Um, 
I think, as I was thinking about this message, uh, I think the Bible says in, uh, is it Proverbs? It says, you know, you, you use wise counsel when you get wise counsel from other people. So I sat down with my family and I just said, you know, hey, tell me what you would say if somebody asked you what a healthy relationship looks like. And I've got five things. Um, service should be done about two o'clock this afternoon. Um, just stick with me for all 27 points and we'll be good. And some of you are looking at me, he's serious, isn't he? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I, I'm going to try to get this done in the next 15 minutes. The number one thing that helps relationships to be healthy is honesty. Honesty. Nobody likes to be lied to. Nobody likes the truth twisted. You know, it can take years to build trust, but it takes one second to break it. Iron is a very, very strong metal, but struck once in the right place, it'll fracture. Honesty is absolutely critical. Whenever you have a relationship with someone, uh, you want to be able to trust them with things. And there's different levels. When you get to know somebody, um, I can't remember your name, but I see you all the time at the Welcome Center. But I could... I'm not going to tell you stuff that I would tell Pastor Nick because I've known Pastor Nick for a long time, but I won't because I don't know you that well. And over time, if I work at it and build a relationship, I may trust you at that level. And so that is what's critical is to be able to share your heart with somebody and know. Now, you can't share your heart with everybody because some people will turn on you. But in relationships, we want to be able to trust each other. I had a friend growing up. Uh, we used to hang out, do all kinds of stuff. And, you know, as it happens in youth group, a new girl came in, and it's like Vulture City. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you grew up in youth group, a new girl comes in, and all the vultures gather, and it's like, oh, she's pretty. Oh, I want to ask. So I said to my buddy, I said, I have a wicked crush on this girl. Uh, two weeks later, he was dating her. <laughs> Some friend. <laughs> And uh, that, that incident wrecked our relationship for a period of time. I said, you know, I, I, I told you that in confidence, and then you ask her out, what's the matter with you? So that, that trust that I had in him was fractured at that moment. Fortunately, he patched it up, but uh, man, that'll mess with you. A good friend is one that is honest with you, that isn't afraid to be truthful with you. Now, I'm not talking about being mean truthful, but sometimes you just need to hear the truth. Sometimes you just need to hear the two by four between your eyes. Anybody know what I'm saying? You may not like the fact of what they're saying, but you need the truth. And a true friend is going to say that to you. Like, you know what? It's been long enough. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You got a lot to offer. Get moving on. My sister did that for me this week because of stuff that I go through because of my health uh, and my medicine, sometimes I feel a little bit sorry for myself. And uh, I called her up and I'm crying on the phone and oh, I, you know, and she, she says, you know what? You still have a lot to offer. I know you can't lift stuff like you do. I know you can't remodel bathrooms like you used to. I know you can't lift plywood like you used to. She said, but you got more to offer than anybody could ever imagine. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Well, thank you. That's what I needed to hear at the moment. 
It was hard to hear, but it was the truth. That's what a true friend does. That's what relationships, relational health looks like. My daughter, who's traveling back to college as I'm speaking this morning, and uh, anybody of you who've had a young one go off to college, you know how that breaks your heart every time they pull out of the driveway. Uh, I asked her, I said, so what does that look like in your world? And, uh, of course, high school friendships sometimes are kind of floaty and, oh, stay in touch, and you never do. Uh, but college friendships are a little bit different. And she's got a group of friends there, and they are able to just be so open and transparent and honest with one another. She said it's refreshing. It's, there's no competition. There's no I'm better than you. It's let's grow together. Let's learn together. Let's work things out together. If the guy you're dating is a jerk, then I'm going to tell you he's a jerk because I want to be honest with you. And the healthiest relationships, whether in marriage or at work or in life, are those people that are honest and trustworthy. How many would say that honesty is the key to any good relationship? Amen? Second, empathy. Excuse me, empathy. Empathy differs from sympathy in this. Sympathy, Sympathy is me feeling sorry for you. Empathy is me identifying with your pain. You see the difference there? Oh, I feel bad that you're wearing all black today. (laughs) Me feeling empathy is I'm sitting in the seat next to him and I'm wearing all black. Totally different engagement there. I can see and feel that, but if I'm sitting next to him and I'm entering into what he's going through, wearing all black today, I'm picking on you. You shouldn't have sat in the front row. (laughs) The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, Verse 15, it says, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those who weep. Truthfully, we find it easier to weep with those who weep than we do rejoicing with those who rejoice. If Pastor Nick got a windfall in his personal account of $100,000 today, I'd be a little jealous. Just to be honest, I'd rejoice kind of with him, but why don't you tithe to the old pastor? Oh, you're all looking at me like you got all your needs met and you just want Come on. You would say, yeah, that sometimes that rejoicing with those that rejoice, what did they do to deserve that? How did they do? Enter into that. Enter into that joy. That's empathy as well. Let me bring this to a real practical sense. Sympathy is you feeling bad for me because I have a limp. Empathy is you saying, what can I do for you? I'm not trying to be selfish, but you get the picture. Yeah, I have a limp. Yeah, I have to ask for help. You sitting there and say, oh, it must be awful for him. Well, yeah, actually it is. But when you just come along and say, you know, Dave, I'll take care of that. I'll lift that for you. I'll get that for you. That's empathy. That's entering into. Any good relationship has empathy in it. How can I help you? How can I serve you? What can I do for you? I feel your pain. I don't just say it, but I'll sit there with you. If you need to cry, if you need me to come over and just sit with you for a while and not say anything. You know what the most powerful thing for me was when I was laying in the ICU in Pittsburgh when my little kid sister came over and just grabbed my hand and rubbed my arm and she said, Dave, it's going to be okay. I couldn't even speak. I couldn't move. And I'm just laying there in the bed like this, and she says, it's all going to be okay, Dave. God's got you. 
That was entering into my pain. That was being there in the middle of the difficult time. When I was discharged from West Penn Hospital last year after learning how to walk again and use my hands and climb steps, boy, you don't realize how much you miss that until you can't. There were staff members from this church. Of course, Rosemary, the ever-living jokester, she had a sign with her that said, let my people go. (laughs) But three of them came down to the hospital and they grabbed all the stuff that I had and they carried it out to the car so all my wife had to do was push me out in a wheelchair. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to travel all the way down to Lawrenceville just to celebrate me being discharged from the hospital after six weeks, but they did. They entered into my pain. That's empathy. That's stepping into somebody's pain. You know, stepping into somebody's pain is difficult. It'll take something from you. But in any relationship, there's a give and take. And sometimes you you are the giver, and sometimes you're the receiver. And if you're anything like me, I don't like to receive. I don't like to ask for help. And God's working on my pride. But that empathy, and what it's done for me is stirred a new empathy in me for people who have challenges that they didn't ask for, that they didn't plan on. Empathy is a key to a relationship. It's not empathetic when a guy, guy breaks up with a girl and you say to the girl, well, there are more fish in the sea. That doesn't help. You say, I know that hurts a lot. Let's go get some ice cream. That helps. Ice cream saves so many things. Hallelujah. And coffee. <laughs> Third thing, boundaries. In every healthy relationship, it doesn't matter whether it's marriage or friendship or, <clears throat> excuse me, any other kind of relationship, boundaries are essential. What do, I, what do I mean by that? Boundaries are your own personal lines that are not to be crossed. Sometimes people will begin to talk to you in ways that are not acceptable. You don't have to take that. You can say, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't really appreciate being spoken to like that. That's a boundary. Man, it got quiet in here real quick. So we don't like boundaries. You don't have to be mean or hateful about it. You just say, this is my line, and I will not cross it. The line is, for me, this is my line. It's a boundary. In, in, in marriages, sometimes we think because we're married, we can say or do anything we want. No, you can't. Sometimes those boundaries are there. You know, all of us come into this room, if we were to tell all of our stories this morning, Uh, We could write a book, couldn't we? Some of the things we've walked through, some of the pain we've walked through, and sometimes we place those boundaries in place to protect ourselves. Those are healthy things. And when those boundaries are broken, we don't feel trusted in that relationship anymore. Give a simple example of a boundary. Growing up in my house, my dresser was a no-touch zone. The top of my dresser was never ever, ever to be touched. 
I didn't care if one of the kids' belongings was on top of my dresser. I said, I don't care if that's your toy or your hundred bucks or your cell phone. It's on my dresser. It is never to be touched. If you want something off the top of my dresser, you ask me, I'll get it for you. And if you ask my kids today, and they're all in their 20s, they will tell you, yeah, dad's dresser is a definite boundary. You just never touch it. Why? Because there was stuff that I didn't want them to see or do? No, it was my safe place. It was my place where I put stuff down and I knew where it was. And when I came back, I knew where it was. So don't touch anything. That's a boundary. It's not terrible. It's not mean. It's not nasty. This is the line. Your boundaries aren't nasty, but every relationship has those. And and even in marriage, that uh, can happen as well. Boundaries keep us safe. As I was driving this week, as I do for a living, <clears throat> my territory goes from Murraysville to Catanning. Uh, whether it was distraction or whatever, um, a number of drivers, probably more than I could count, crossed that double yellow line in the street. The double yellow line is a boundary. It's not scary boundary. It's just yellow paint on the street. But that boundary is there to keep everybody safe. And when they cross that boundary, they don't just put themselves in jeopardy, they put me in jeopardy too. There's reasons for those boundaries that are healthy and keep us safe. So in every relationship, there are things that are there. Everybody brings baggage. Turn to your neighbor this morning and look at them and say, you got issues. (laughs) We all come into a relationship with issues, friend. And so those boundaries are there to keep us safe. That's not to keep everybody out. It's just to keep us safe. Number four, grace. Grace. What does grace look like in a friendship? It means when your friend or your spouse has had an awful day at work and they're a little bit grouchy, ask what you can do to help them rather than yelling at them because they're grouchy. Or maybe they just need a little coffee, (laughs) or a lot. I could fall into that and never come back. We offer forgiveness for those little moments that don't typically define who a person is. When I was in the hospital back in August, I was laying there, I was having a really, really, really bad day. And I looked at, Michael was in the hospital, and I said, Michael, I don't think I'm gonna make it. I'm weak, I'm not strong. I'm just a wimp. And he just looked at me and smiled as Michael does. And he just listened. He didn't try to convince me, oh, no, Pastor Dave, you're strong. He just listened. And that's what I needed. I just need to get that out. He offered me grace because he knows I'm not typically like that. In that weak moment, he lifted me up just by being there. Grace is putting your arm around somebody that's been a porcupine all day. Nobody in here has ever been a porcupine, have you? Man, it gets quiet. I, I, I must be on a nerve today. <laughs> you know what I mean by being a porcupine? Somebody's just been prickly all day. Everything you say, oh, it's pretty outside. No, it's not. It's raining. <laughs> I like snow. I don't like snow. I got to shovel it. I got to slide around it. They've just been a porcupine. They just need a little grace that day. Anybody, anybody ever need some grace? Wave your hand at me this morning. You online, wave your hand at the TV. I see that hand. Grace is giving a person a break and not expecting them to be perfect. 
Grace is coming home and seeing your wife tired from caring for the kids and sending her out to have a mental health minute. And all the ladies said, thank you. (laughs) Grace is loving them in spite of their bad day. Aren't you glad when somebody extends you a little grace? Because all of us in here from time to time have a bad day. Some a bad hair day. I don't have to worry about hair because there'll be no parting over there. <clears throat> Some of you will get that later. And the last thing that you need and the key thing that you need in a relationship is love. Of all the things, excuse me, that we talked about today, love is the greatest. It is the foundation of all these other things. Step back to the boundary point for a minute. Why do we put fences around yards or fences up against the Grand Canyon? Why, Why would you do that? Because we care enough about people that we don't want them falling over the edge. It is done out of love. If you love someone, you'll be honest. If you love someone, you'll be empathetic towards them. If you love someone, you will respect their boundaries. And if you love someone, you will extend grace. The Bible tells us in John chapter 15, verse 12, it says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. A better way to put this, a better interpretation of the Greek language is, in the same way, in the same manner as Christ has loved us, so are we to love those in our lives. Just as he has done for us, let us give to others. Here is the the key. God never does something for us a little bit. Anything God does for us, he gives us enough to give away. We talk about Calvary Cares this morning. God blesses us with finances, and what do we do? We give them away, and what happens? He just keeps giving. As God blesses you, as you love, as God has loved us, and we give it away, more love comes our direction. We are more, nothing more than a conduit. We try to, as Calvary, lead people into an overflowing life. That's what it is. Overflow with love. Overflow with joy. Overflow in all these areas. Why? So we can hoard it to ourselves? No, he gives it to us so we can give it away. Amen? And the word that is used in the original language is the strongest form of love. Giving and not expecting anything in return. That's a tough one. Christ is showing us that the foundational piece to healthy relationships is love, even when it's not reciprocated. When Jesus' disciples abandoned him, when the shoulders showed up in the garden, that's an Easter sermon, you'll have to come back and, and hear that. Do you think Christ felt loved when he was abandoned? I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he didn't, but in spite of that, he continued to express his love for his disciples and those disciples left an eternal impact. We sit in a church building today because those disciples went into all the world and preached the gospel. 
He loved them when they were unlovable. This is how Jesus responded, Romans chapter 12, verse 17. The Bible says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Let's read that line again. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He did not react. Jesus did not react to them for leaving, but he responded by continuing to love them when they didn't deserve it. And then there's the clause, which depends on you as much as it is possible live at peace with all men. Even the Bible acknowledges that some people you just can't live at peace with. But it, it's not about their behavior, it's about your attitude. You love people even when they're unlovable. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Healthy relationships don't just happen. They take work. But man, is it the best work there is. I can't eat a triple burger with bacon and lots of cheese, hallelujah, and some guac and mushrooms, a little bit of barbecue sauce sprinkled in there. I can't eat that three meals a day and expect my cholesterol to go through the floor. Why? Because I'm eating patently unhealthy. Now, I enjoy a good burger, but three meals a day with a triple burger, I'm going to have cholesterol so high they're going to write a study, a medical study on me. I've got to choose the veggies when I don't want them. I've got to make choices that cause my body to be more healthy. You can eat like trash when you're a kid. When you get to my age, you can't eat like that anymore because you develop all kinds of problems. So what's your action point today? You can hear this message and say, oh, good message. Or you can take something from this message and say, what do I have to do? What needs to change in me so my relationships are more healthy? Can I be honest with you that sometimes healthy relationships some mean some people need to not be in your life? And it got quiet again. I'll preach to Rosemary. How you doing? <laughs> there are some times that people are so unhealthy in your life that every time you get around them, you can try to pull people up, but sometimes you just can't as much as it is possible. So sometimes you just have to drift away from some people because every time you get around them, you become unhealthy. Anybody with me this morning? And all of you just thought of somebody unhealthy and toxic in your life right now. So when you walk away from this sanctuary today I want you to walk out with one thing that you think I'm going to do this this is what I need to do this is how I need to act this is something I need to change so that the relationships that I have in my life whether it is marriage it is friend it is church people all that kind of things what can I do one thing that will help me move forward inch by inch friend if there's if there's anything that I have learned over the past year and a half is progress sometimes comes inch by inch. I doubt I will ever be back to the way I was before. And I'm just starting to be okay with that. 
I'd love to walk like, I watch people walk around and it astounds me. They just truck right on around. They just go. Me, I'm just kind of doing one of these. I look like a weeble wobble, <laughs> you know? But it's okay because a year and a half ago, I couldn't get myself out of bed. Inch by inch, first time out of bed, I walked seven steps. Woohoo! That doesn't seem like much, but for somebody who laid in bed for five weeks, that was a lot. Inch by inch. How can you inch by inch, incrementally, work on the relationships in your life? You ever wondered what's wrong with everybody else and you don't look at yourself and say, sometimes, what's the matter with me? What do I need to shift? What do I need to change? Write down your action point. Put it in your phone. Write it on the back of a business card. Take an offering envelope. Write it on the back of that. Make that action point before you walk out of this sanctuary today so that when you leave here, you say, this is what is going to change in my life today. Don't expect everybody else to change. It's you. It's like the old uh, black gospel said, it's me. It's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and you have loved us when we were unlovable. You sent your son Jesus and you knew many would accept and you knew many would reject, but you came anyway. You came to your own, the scripture says, and your own didn't even receive you, but as many as received you, you gave them power to become the children of God. Lord, today we receive you and we ask you in our relationships, in our marriages, in our uh, relationships with our kids and our employers and other folks, Lord, help us to be what you want us to be. Help us to have those relationships that lift others up and bring people up. And Lord, help us to take these things that we've heard today and put them to heart and believe, God, that you can bring healing and hope and health to every relationship we have in our life. And God, we give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.